0: now just checking we've got gary on phone we've got gary on the line but look just before we do bring gary francis in from swimming new zealand it's one of my great frustrations is the lack of quality facilities in this country we know how big sport is here in new zealand more than anything else it brings this country together it provides us a sense of nationalism whether it be at commonwealth games whether it be olympic games or black test matches every year the america's cup netball cricket it's important to New Zealanders. We spend 60 odd million dollars I think a year on high performance sport or certainly over a four year cycle but we've always had a lack of quality facilities. I used to spend a lot of time in Australia training building up to the Hawaii Man, and you'd be based in Burley Heads and every 10 kilometres there seemed to be an outdoor 50 metre swimming pool or two of them. $3 to get in, 6.30 in the morning, clear blue skies, and a training environment that was just so conducive. I used to go down to a pool in Miami, uh, which is about, I don't know, five-minute bike ride from where we were staying in Burley Heads. There would be Dennis Cottrell, the great Australian coach. you would have Michael Klim in the pool. Grant Hackett, 400 and 1500 metre gold medalist a uh, 1500 metre gold medalist and the great rival of Ian Thorpe. And we, and you look at what a powerhouse Australia is in the sport of swimming. Then you think of Daniel to 1996, and I still put Daniel up there with Peter Snell as our greatest ever Olympians. This is a guy who had to wake up at 4.30 in the morning in a cold, bleak city called Dunedin. I do apologise to all you Dunedinites. Trained at Moana Pool, which is a little bit of an archaic facility, and he goes on and wins the two and four hundred double, which Ian Thorpe didn't do in 2000, he had to wait another four years because the Dutch swimmer Van den Heugenbarn beat him in 2000 in the 200. And just a remarkable achievement from Danyan. No one really to train with at his level, but also just the facilities and the environment not particularly conducive, just showing what a class act he was. But if we are serious about our sport, we can continue to pump money into athletes and we can continue to pump money into individual coaches. But is that model working? Does the money need to be spent on facilities? Do we need to start investing in bricks and mortar? Whether it be athletic tracks, whether it be swimming pools, velodromes, equestrian centres, netball centres football grounds. My kids are heavily involved in the sport of water polo. Amazing how big that is at a grassroots level. Talk to people in water polo. The biggest challenge is facilities. Our women, ninth, 10th, 11th in the world, potentially could go to the Olympic Games. But again, just the lack of pool space. You're relying, actually, these days on the well-resourced schools in terms of getting pool space for sports like water polo. Then we got the sad situation of Lewis Clebert, So Commonwealth Games gold medalist. Bronze medal back in Gold Coast in 2018. Bronze medal at the World Championship. Seventh at the Olympic Games. And he's having to move to Auckland because he hasn't earned the respect, or the city of Wellington don't respect him enough to provide a conducive training environment for him. Which means that he's having to also leave his coach, Gary Hollywood, who from a family and a business point of view, can't just uproot and move to Auckland with him. And let's not kid yourself, there's a much higher cost of living living in Auckland than there is living in Wellington. So to talk about this, manager of high performance and development from Swimming New Zealand, Gary Francis joins us. Afternoon to you, Gary. Welcome.
1: Good afternoon, Mark. Uh, Can you hear me all right?
0: Yes, I can. Uh, look Gary, um, not an ideal situation for Lewis, not an ideal situation for swimming in Wellington um, but look this is, this is. Uh, I'm going to suggest pool space uh, has been an issue for swimming, as I mentioned, with water polo for a long time in this country.
1: Yeah. Oh, without a doubt Mark. Um, you know um, as you're very familiar with we, we did have a centralised uh, program for a while running out of the Millennium um, in Auckland, um, and the Millennium really is um, is a unique facility, uh, really uh, for us in New Zealand. And there is there is no other, there's nowhere else in New Zealand swimming-wise where uh, we have the luxury of um, of, of the, that amount of pool space. Everywhere else. Um, there are so many other factors involved um, and obviously in Wellington which really struggles overall for swimming pool space for for, for everything regardless of whether it's high performance swimming or um, recreational or underwater hockey they're really stretched and it's kind of uh, indicament of of nationwide really what the issue is
0: mm. Look look, we're a small country I think the biggest thing that always holds us back is um, scale, we've only got 5 million people and we're trying to be this sophisticated country, there's strains on health facilities, on teaching resources and a lot of I guess uh, social things which people will say are bigger and more important than sport but it's frustrating when you see government wasting so much money, I'm not going to pick on the previous governments, I think all governments are guilty of it, I saw uh, Len Brown here in Auckland talking about a footpath, and he worked out that it was $12,000 a metre to build this particular footpath. And most of that goes back to road safety signage and putting risk management in and around people building a footpath. And it just seems to me that we just don't have our priorities right. I mean, sport, it is sometimes intangible. It's a feel-good factor. It's about nationalism. And you can't necessarily always... Put a value on that. Some things obviously stand out and are more obvious. Um, what is there a solution here? I mean, what? How do we shift maybe some of the thinking from a government point of view, from a council point of view, and maybe even from a public point of view in regards to the importance of sport, uh, the importance of aspiration for young people?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how. Qualified, I am to speak about the the the, the overall uh, picture, but you know, from from my from my perspective, when I look at where sport has an impact uh, in, in the national identity of, of, of a country uh, and the way that that country approaches its sport from grassroots level up, the investment that they put into it, there, you know. And, and it's it's so difficult to compare countries because you know uh, Population of finance of ec- you know different economy and, and all kinds of things But but you know, I, I see the kind of investment that countries, you know not, I'm not talking about the Australia's and the Britons and the the USA's but countries like Hungary and Norway and and, and other smaller countries uh, the investment they put into it and the structure that they put in uh, and they get great results in terms of their high performance output, but they also it also uh, has a thread that runs through recreationally at a grassroots level and the amount of participation and the amount of respect that uh, that sport commands um, in in you know in the in the society overall. And it, I, I mean, Mark, we, we we're coming off the back of an incredibly successful couple of years in New Zealand sport with success in both men's and women's no, that we, you know, we, like we last hurdle, but but we're in the World Cup final again. Um, we've seen the, the women's uh, soccer team make great strides. We've seen the women's netball team come, you know, come come back and be a force again. Um, and 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 you just feel like that the, the country the country needs to be able to to put some really good fundamentals in place at grassroots level to get kids not necessarily. Not necessarily about becoming an Olympian, but it's about really wanting to be involved in sport because of what it brings,
0: you know. Mm. Gary, as I said, look, we haven't won an Olympic medal since Daniel back in 1996. I'm going to defend swimming. I think swimming, I'm often asked, Gary, and I've been lucky enough to be involved in a lot of sports over the years, I often ask what's the hardest sport, and I say swimming. It's a taught sport. It's technique-based. It's not a sport you can pick up later in life. You've got these young kids who are basically elite athletes from the age of 12 or 13. These guys swim twice a day. I know there's a lot of work being done in terms of trying to develop the coaches. Is it the lack of facilities that is preventing us from finishing 4th, 5th and 6th at World Championships and Olympic Games rather than actually sitting on, getting on the podium? I mean, you go back, Moss Burmester, um, ended up finishing fourth. Um, you know, we've just seen Erica Fairweather, uh, I mentioned Lewis Clarebert, both making finals at the Olympic Games. If we had better facilities, do you think we could bridge the gap that we could take that next step?
1: I, I do think it's a significant factor. I think that you mentioned Moss Mister. and Moss was obviously a part of the, the, the centralised programme at the time. And Moss was given great support and Moss did a fantastic job to almost make, you know, almost get on the podium. But I often wonder about the amount of athletes that uh, fell by the wayside because of the limited opportunity. We had a centralized program which can only accommodate for so many, which doesn't allow for those athletes who are coming through a little bit later or the ones that are in real small programs that are not so easy to identify, um, it doesn't always allow for for their their development and for them to come through. So what we had was we had Moss, we had um, Lauren following Moss, um, but there was a a bit of a a gulf underneath those two, that Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of depth. Things that I think that the change in, in the philosophy about going away from the centralized program going into more regionalized, more targeted programs is that we, we've created more depth. We've got we've got better swimmers at that level just below medal winning swimmers, which is obviously really good for the development of the sport at the performance level. But the problem we've got now is that we can't really take those swimmers that much further because of the, the lack of quality facilities that they're swimming in. So it's a very much a catch-22, but but yes, we had better facilities. I'm sure that we could increase our depth and, 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 you know, and make the pathway more visible for young athletes.
0: Yeah. Um, Gary, I mean, at the moment, I think uh, Swimming New Zealand, I think on an annual basis, I mean, the government spends about 43 odd million dollars a year on high-performance sport. I think swimming's around about $1.2, $1.3 million. Where is that money currently spent from high-performance sport? Where is that money allocated? Where does that resource go to?
1: So, um, I mean, when you break it down, it, it doesn't go very far. <laughs> but um, um, we, we, we have targeted programs. So we've got uh, three or four athletes. Right at, well, we've got two athletes right at the top and two or three just sitting slightly beneath them. And then we've got about another half a dozen, two towards 10 athletes who, who are, you know, making international teams, making world championships, who receive... Uh, a a level of of support from us. That funding goes into a combination of things. It might might go towards them directly in helping set them up with their training program. It might go towards their coaching to support their coaches. All of our coaches are running club programs. We have not got one single coach who is only working with their high-performance athletes. So we need to be able to make sure that they've got enough support around so they can spend enough time with their athletes. Mm. And then we spend a fair amount of that still on um, supplementing lane space, grabbing any quality lane space that is available. We, we secure it. Um, and Once you've gone through you know, that, uh, that amount uh, of support, uh, pretty much the rest of our money goes in um, um, paying for Uh, teams to go to world championships and stuff like that and training camps doesn't leave a lot else
0: Mm. What discussions have Swimming New Zealand had with the council in Wellington? Have there been any discussions between yourself or those involved in high performance sport in terms of trying to um, get greater clarity or trying to somehow resolve the issue for Lewis and give him a conducive training environment?
1: We've been in negotiation and discussion with Wellington City Council, pretty much on and off for the last um, four and a half, five years. Uh, I, was, I suppose that, that if we, you know, take out that period during COVID, which where we were talking with everybody about trying to see if we could get some swim space when they weren't opening to anyone, um, pretty much on and off all the time, trying to initially trying to help. Uh, gary hollywood and lewis within their club environment to try and improve the the club uh, lane space which was pr- predominantly to give lewis better lane space and then we brought uh, high performance sport in to help with the negotiations to see if we could you know bring in a, a heavy hitter um to try and secure better lane space which we got a, you know we got somewhere we managed to get a bit of long call space secured um and then in the last um, the last six six to eight months we were we actually uh, were able to find some funding from outside some extra funding on top of what we had um which came from um from a benefactor it wasn't high performance didn't have any extra money we didn't have any extra money uh, a benefactor came in who was willing to pay for lewis's lane space we were able to secure that with the council but we still had ongoing problems with it. It still wasn't. It, it still wasn't an environment conducive to high performance swimming. Mm. So, it's pretty much four and a half years of going backwards and forwards, of them, in many ways, trying their best within the constraints of being predominantly a community-based uh, setup, where the community was always put in front of performance.
0: High performance sport, New Zealand. Um... There seems to be a reluctance, or I'm not sure there's been the discussion necessarily, but I certainly remember from my time back in triathlon that there seems to be a reluctance to want to invest in bricks and mortar. Has that ever been tabled? Are you aware of what their point of view is around that or why we still believe that investing in the athlete and the coach is the best model?
1: From our our perspective in swimming, uh, and certainly in the last five years that I've been running swimming, uh, it's not been part of the discussion. And I think, Mark, that, again, just just from from my angle and the angle of us within the high-performance swimming is that we know that we, we're working on a very tight budget, and we've really looked to see how we can maximize that for, you know, for the athletes within the, the, the way we structure our program through the targeted program. So it's never been... Uh, it's never been something that's been on the table, but I do think that it is something that should be on the table in the big scheme of things And not just with high-performance sport, but with sport NZ overall that, you know We at some point at some point as a nation. We've got to start in, investing in infrastructure because um, it, 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 you know it, as I said yes high performance is the is the is the the, the top-end outcome, but we, we've got to we've got to keep we've got to keep kids wanting to do the sports. They've, they've they've got to see and come to facilities where they want to be want to be in it. They want to be doing it, you know. Uh, so I, I think we've reached a critical point, really.
0: Is the difference between the success we see the Australians still really you know along with the United States and stuff the number one swimming nation in the world? We see it at the Olympic Games. Is it just simply a population, weather, climate, and facilities? Is that the difference?
1: I think I, I, I think it is a big big factor. Uh, I took uh, about I took about ten athletes across to um, California in May to swim at um, a couple of the best meets over there. These were our um, uh, athletes in the, the next tier down from our top guys, uh, and we it was it was partly to take them across and give them some experience, but so also it was a little bit of a you know a reconnaissance mission to look at what we would set up for the 2028 20, games and you know set a base there uh, and i'm sure you're quite familiar with this place but we we went to mission viejo mission viejo is a town or city of 95,000 people and they have 10 50 meter swimming pools within the city boundaries that's a combination of club pools ymcas high school pools and public pools um 10 We're just within their city um we, we're not ever going to, we're not ever going to be able to compete with, you know, one uh, one meter pool per nine and a half thousand, you know, population. It's just never going to happen. But, but I do think that the way that they look at the, their, you know, their facilities and the way they invest in them, that it's, it's very much based around providing a better community. So I, I think we've got to look at some of the lessons that, that, from over there and and, and and other places, and say we do need to build more. We need to build more facilities. We've just got to.
0: Gary Francis, it's been a privilege and a pleasure, my good man. We thank you for your time this afternoon. Always honest. Love chatting to you. And look, um, fingers crossed. Hopefully, Lewis Clareburt can kick on, and we can see great things from him in Paris next year.
1: Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Mark. Uh, you know, Lewis has settled really well uh, up in Auckland. Uh, He's won quite well this weekend. Um, and yeah, the hard work starts again now. Of course. Thanks very much,
0: Gary Francis, there from Swimming New Zealand. Twenty-four minutes after twelve, which poses the question on oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. So we're spending one hundred and forty odd million dollars. It's around forty million dollars a year on high-performance sport. Uh, you spread it across the different sports and it's not a lot of money that gets pumped into high performance sport now yes opportunity cost there are other things out there where money can be better spent I'd like to see nurses get paid more I'd like to see primary school teachers getting paid more I'd like to see daycare workers getting paid more I want to see no potholes on our roads I want to see better infrastructure but I do want to see our lead athletes doing well I want to see young kids being inspired to want to get outside and get off devices. I want to see us compete on the international stage in those blue ribbon events like swimming. I'm not a big believer in a whole lot of money going to athletes directly. I'm a big believer in money going into coaching. I'm a big believer in money going into bricks and mortar. What's your point of view on this? 0800 double one. We don't have a big population. It's hard being everything to everyone. But you've only got to drive around Auckland, have a look at how much traffic management there is in place for the smallest little repair and ask yourself what an absolute utter waste of money is being spent, whether it be at a regional level, whether it be a local body level. You've only got to have a look at the amount government spend on consultants and the absolute waste of money year in, year out. Sport is important. It's the one thing that brings us together as a country. Have we got the spend right? Have we got the model right? Our facilities in this country are appalling, absolutely, utterly appalling. They're archaic. You can't access them. I think we've got the athletes. I think we've got the desire. I think we've got the coaching resource to a degree. I think you can always improve in that area. But it's time we invested in bricks and mortar. I would actually like to see a high-performance centre set up in Europe. Velodrome, track, pool facilities, set up somewhere in Spain. Accommodation, if need be, a component of a university to allow athletes to study as well. So we can tap into the resources of Europe. We can have decent weather. And we can have a base which allows our athletes to be the best they can be and also conducive from a travel point of view. But that costs money. But as a taxpayer, I'd rather see my money spent there than the waste we see at the moment.